You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. Let's get back into the Word here today. Pastor Bill's going to come and preach just from John. We're in our almost year-long series in John, and we're in chapter 7 today, verses 1 through 24. Should be up on the screen. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in the uh, prayer room there. You can grab one. If you don't own a Bible, just go ahead and take that one home. Uh, we would love for you to be following along with us and, and uh, studying the Word of God together. So John chapter 7, verses 1 through 24. After this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand. So his brother said to him, Leave here and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to this feast, for my time has not yet fully come. After saying this, he remained in Galilee. But after this, his brothers had gone up to the feast. Then he also went up, not publicly, but in private. The Jews were looking for him at the feast and saying, Where is he? And there was much muttering about him among the people. While some said, He is a good man. Others said, No, he is leading the people astray. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly of him. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why do you seek to kill me? The crowd answered, You have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you all marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. This is God's word. As David said, we are still in the book of John, and we're going to be here for a long, long time because it's such a great book. Um, And this is a unique passage today um, that uh, we're bringing to you. Um, Jesus, oftentimes, as we see in in the scriptures, is a bit confrontational. We saw that last Sunday in particular, but he is oftentimes con- con- confrontational, but at the same time, he is invitational in that when he confronts, he always comes around and brings back an invitation to people to change, to make the necessary adjustments, to recalibrate their lives in such a way that they can enter into relationship with him in a very whole and very real way. And so we're seeing that happen again here today. And I want to just break the pattern down for you a little bit here in this particular passage um, and talk to you a little bit about how that Jesus confronts his brothers and others uh, here um, and also how he is inviting 
his brothers and others into his life, his plan, his purpose, all right? And when the invitation comes to you and I to follow Christ, Jesus doesn't just invite us into a place of security. He doesn't just invite us into a place of feeling better about ourselves, but he actually invites us into a purpose. The the greater purposes of God are the invitation that we all have. And so when Jesus is confronting our lives in some way, when Jesus is pointing at some particular area of our lives and calling us to look at that, The intent of Jesus is to help us to recalibrate. In other words, we are to respond to that look, to that observation, if you will, and to make the necessary adjustments. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to do here in this particular passage that we are reading about. So I want us to see that and and, and get this as we're talking about this, is that Jesus may just confront you and I, all right? And he will confront us about our terms And about our time frames. And I think that there is an honest response, if we will, uh, to our own approach to Jesus. And that is, I really want Jesus to do things my way. In other words, I want Jesus on my terms. And I really want Jesus on my time frame or or on my timeline. I want Jesus doing things the way I want him to do them. And I want him to do them when I want him to do them. And oftentimes that is a place of confrontation for us because that just is not the way God works. That is not the way Jesus moves. And we see that in various places throughout the scriptures and throughout the life of Jesus. So let's talk a little bit about that, all right? So let me just take you through this and kind of parse this out a little bit here. Let me give you the backdrop here. Jesus is saying here that that at this time, or, or John is saying here really at this time, that Jesus went about Galilee. And the reason that he finds himself in Galilee here is because in Judea, the Jews were seeking to kill him, all right? So he is on the outside of that, that area uh, where the Jews are really talking about him. Uh, they're looking for him, and they're trying to find ways that they might end his life. And so we have with that now a backdrop of a celebration, and that is the Festival of Booths. All right. Um, now, what we're going to see here is that a lot has happened between where Jesus first really began to irritate the Jews all right, and what is going on here in chapter 7. Because Jesus did two things that changed the atmosphere spiritually, so to speak, all right, and really caused the leaders, the spiritual leaders of the day, uh, th- those Jews who were in places of position, uh, caused them to not only like uh, revolt or rebel against what he was saying, but literally caused them to hate him and therefore by hating him plot to actually destroy him. And the two things that happen is you go back into chapter 5 and you see in verse 16 that Jesus healed a man. Not only did he heal the man completely, but he healed him on the Sabbath. And this caused a great deal of conflict with the Jewish leaders and their laws, all right? But he went a step further. That was in verse 16 of chapter 5. But in verse 18 of chapter 5, he starts to kind of explain why he did this. And what he basically said was, I'm the son of God. In other words, I'm different than all of you. You are leaders 
You've qualified yourselves in various ways to follow God, mostly by obeying law. But I am directly from God. I am God in the flesh. I am the Son of God on earth here. All right? And that was not only hard for them to wrap around, but it was actually hard for them to swallow. And he, he came further into that sort of uh, declaration, all right, that identity when he said to them at the beginning of chapter 7, and that's what we talked about last Sunday, was, okay, to follow me, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And they just could not swallow that. And so it says in the Bible that they begin to no longer follow him. Literally thousands of people likely moved at that moment away from following Jesus and walked away from the faith, okay? And so we have Jesus and his brothers who were around him, his half-brothers actually, but his brothers and others are around him now, but they're all watching all of these people walk away. And it says here that after all of this has happened, now they find themselves in this moment when the booths, the, the, the celebration of the booths is taking place, all right? This was a, a great feast, or some would call it a high feast um, among the Jewish people. Um, and uh, it, was, it was a great time. It was a time of celebration. It was a time of remembrance. It was a time of thanksgiving. Uh, everybody came together. Families joined back together. Uh, they came together to just, just celebrate. The olives were ripe. Uh, the grapes were ripe. Harvest is coming off. Uh, everything is good. It's usually nice weather at this particular time. And what they're celebrating is that in the, in the life of Israel, in the life of the Jewish people over time, they had begun to, to grow and, and uh, plant and grow vineyards and harvest them of both grapes and olives. And when the harvest season came, it was a, 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 a time-sensitive uh, situation where they had to harvest these particular fruits, the grapes and the olives, at just the right time and in quick order for them to be able to come off well. And so they would actually build these booths. Um, and they were little huts, if you will, of some sort, and they would build them and literally live in them. Uh, I, I, I never really understood this until I went to England, actually, and it was a weird like analogy, but in England along the coast, a lot of people have little beach huts, uh, and they're very unique, and they're very small, but you open the door, and you look in, and they have this little mini kitchen, and they might have a day bed, and they might have a television, and they might have a heater, and all kinds of things, but they have everything they need to spend an entire day, or maybe a weekend at the beach, and it's all very consolidated, and it's in there, and they, in essence, live on the beach when they want to, all right? I think that's marvelous. This is absolutely outstanding, all right? Now, I'm sure that in the day of, of, of the Jewish harvesters, that was not the case, all right? These are booths, and they are living in them, and they're probably very simplistic. They're, they're probably uh, very small, uh, but they stayed right there in the fields. They slept there. They kind of lived there through the harvest until the harvest was complete, and then they would celebrate, and they celebrated the goodness and the faithfulness of God, but they called it the celebration of the booths. Uh, or the festival of the booths, all right? And so they all would come together. And Jerusalem was sort of the center of this, all right? So there would be smaller celebrations maybe in other communities around or the smaller villages around. But the great festival was in Jerusalem. And many, many people would come back to Jerusalem and they would gather there and they would spend days in this time of celebration, all right? And so this took... 
This took celebrating kind of to the next level, all right? This is like uh, a major homecoming football game, and, and all the family comes back, you know, third and fourth generations. Any, any guy who played a game or any girl who played a game, all right, they came home to support the home team uh, at homecoming. You know, it's that kind of a thing. So it's a huge, huge get-together, and it br- brought the families together, all right? So everybody's there. It's a big deal. Here's Jesus. He's, on, he's over in Galilee. He knows this festival is taking place. And it's at the beginnings of the festival. And this is days long, all right? And so his brothers come to him. Now, his brothers have just seen all of these people walk away. And they come to him, and this is what we encounter here, all right? The Feast of Booths was at hand. It was beginning in verse 2. So his brothers, these are Jesus' half-brothers, they come to him, and listen to what they say to him. They say, Leave here and go to Judea. Now, they should know, they know, they should know that he is being stalked. He is being hunted. Everyone has an eye out for this Jesus. Some of them know what he looks like. Many of them don't. They've only heard about him. They've heard about him through his miracles. His miracles were the drawing card. All right, how he performed, what he did was the drawing card for a lot of these people. And so his brothers here have seen this sort of like dispersion of the people. There's not so many people following him now. They're there with him and they're saying, you need to leave here and you need to go over there where all the people are. And they say it this way. They say, your disciples your followers, all right? They need to see your works you're doing. They need to see what you are doing. You're, like, you're the guy. You're the one, all right? It's on you, and they need to see this. And they say to him, no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. In other words, if someone seeks to be renowned, if someone seeks to be a public figure, if someone seeks notoriety if someone seeks stardom they can't do what they do in secret they have to give to their audience they have to perform in some way everyone was following you when they could see you feeding them and they could receive from you but as soon as you started to talk this other stuff about flesh and blood they all went away all right now It's on you, Jesus. You, instead of the crowd following you, this is what they're saying, instead of the crowd following you, you got to follow the crowd. Whoa, what a shift. What a turn down. All right? And so, but that's what his own brothers are saying to him. And, and so Jesus responds to them out of that, all right? Now, we'll talk about that in a, in a moment here, but let me, let me set this up for these brothers here. I, I want you to understand something because I think the place that we want to identify today is, is with these brothers and the motives of their heart, all right? And I want to challenge us from that particular piece here, but I want you to understand that this is a confrontation that is about to happen here with his brothers, but there is going to be an invitation in the end, all right? Now, they seem to be intent on capitalizing on this event, this festival, or this, this, this uh, time of the booth, if you will, okay? Um, they're, they're, they're these half-brothers of Jesus. They're the sons of, of uh, Joseph and Mary, all right? 
and so they're, they're following Jesus, and they're kind of like tagging along, if you will, here now. All right, so as we said, when we looked at last week, all right, Jesus preaches this sermon to everyone who is following him, which could have been a crowd of over 20,000 people, possibly, all right? And Jesus at that time preaches what I am certain was the most not seeker-sensitive sermon ever preached in history, all right? And it worked, all right? All those people who were seeking something but not Jesus, seeking something but not truth, seeking something but not eternity, they were there until they heard the hard word, the hard message, if you will, all right? All right? But here's what I want you and I to understand is that what they wanted and what the brothers are trying to get him to produce is simply another miracle. And they didn't get it. They didn't understand. Jesus said to the people, okay, you want another miracle? Like you got bread and and fish and I fed you and now you're following me because you want another miracle? That's all you're looking for? Well, I'm I'm gonna tell you what the miracle is. The miracle is that you will eat of my blood and you will eat of my flesh. Your eyes will be awakened for you to understand that I have come to be broken for you, to be spilled out for you. And when that happens and you receive my blood and my flesh, you will be redeemed. You will, you will enter into my purposes. You will enter into life with me that is eternal and everlasting. And they didn't get it. And obviously, the brothers didn't get it either. And so I want to challenge you and I that we are willing to be confronted by Jesus and by the truth and the reality of who he is in order that we may come into his purposes with him and that we're actually not buffeting the purposes of Jesus by the way that we are living and by what we are wanting in terms of of our terms, our desires, and our time frames. Many, many walked away. And so his brothers are saying, Jesus, you've lost thousands. That's what they're, that's what they're actually saying in, in their, their discourse with him. You've lost thousands. But we got to be careful about that, all right? Um, they're saying we have Jerusalem. We can get this thing back. We can, we can still make this thing work, all right? But, but Jesus, you're the guy. Like, we're not. Let me talk to you about us for a minute. There's a, there's a thing that happens inside of the church, and I want to expose it today. And I'm not, I'm not saying you're there. I'm not saying we're there. I'm saying it can happen. And, and as I describe it, I think you'll probably think of other churches and individuals. Don't do that, all right? Don't go there today, all right? Let's, let's try not to let that move us because that's not what the, the Holy Spirit would want from us today. All right, to judge and to point at someone else and say, oh, they're guilty. You know, uh, Pharisees did that. All right, so let's be careful. All right, but here's what I want you to understand we have a tendency sometimes to want to be Jesus. It's called a Messiah complex. We want to fix somebody, we want to come up with the solution, we want to have the answer. And so we know. We we know what needs to be done. And so we operate out of this kind of being Jesus to somebody else. And you know what? Sometimes it 
kind of works, like some good things can happen. And when it does, there's such a stroke in that. There, there's such like an appeal to that, to our flesh. And it moves us to want to continue to operate in that fashion. And so we, we start to make it about us and not about him. So now we move on our terms and not the terms of Christ. But most of us don't do that. Most of us are like the brothers. Most of us are the guy or the gal who we're in the background. Somebody else is the rock star. But we're on the team. We're on the wagon. We're on the bus. We're there. We're hanging out because we're a part of it. And so when everyone comes around and takes the snapshot of the rock star, we're in the background. We're there. We're a part of it. But you know what? We're there for us. We're not there for the relationship that we should have. And so it poisons things. And we got some brothers here who are saying, you know what? Jesus, we're not the guy, but you are. You're the man. All right? That would, that would be something like me coming in one morning and just going, David, I'm old. <laughs> I'm not the guy anymore. Nobody follows me anymore. But you're the guy. Like, you got it. All right? It's what you got to do. All right? And then I just want to hang around because I want to get in the picture. I want to be in the snapshot. I just want to be in the background. But you know what? Neither one is healthy. Neither one is right. And so we have these brothers here, and they're saying, Jesus, this is what you do. And what they're doing here is they're saying, this is how we're going to package it. This is how we're going to make it work. Heaven forbid that we become a church that just wants to package it. Just want to make it a package that's appealing to people, and we just want to draw people. We just want to have a drawing card. And so we, we get trendy, or, or, or we come up with a gimmick. Or we try to do things just to appeal to people. Jesus says, you got to understand, it's not about that. It's, it's not about doing that. It's not about performing. It's not about producing. It's not even about the miraculous. It's about me being the son of God, not about me being a star. And, and, but they're saying, hey, come on, you got to understand this. This is the next step. It, we we got to do this. we got to create this. And you're the one that's going to do it. You're going to go to Judea, right there where all the people are and where they're trying to kill you. And you're going to do a miracle, and it's going to change everything. And these people are going to stop trying to kill you. They're going to start following you. And we're going to get the numbers back. In other words, they are in a place of trying to do something drastic. But here's the problem with that. It's not like they knew, and now they don't know. The reality is much like those who walked away at the hard saying in the previous chapter, chapter 6. Tim Keller says it this way. He says, have, have you ever put your money in like a pop machine? You know, and so you, you, you put your, your quarters in there and you, you, you hear the quarter go in, but you don't hear much after that. And you've put your four quarters in there and then you press the button and nothing happens. And he says, the problem is, is that your coins didn't go all the way down. All right? They didn't trip the trigger. They just, they just got stuck somewhere 
and they didn't go all the way down, so you don't get the, the product. And he says, so what do you do? <laughs> oh, yeah, you know. Been there and done that. <laughs> and then you, you wait, and sure enough, boom, there it is. Yeah, I got it. The coin dropped. For those who walked away at the message of the blood and the flesh of Jesus being partaken, the coin didn't go all the way down. They heard what they wanted to hear, and they let it stop right there. It didn't really go deep. It didn't trip the trigger. It didn't make the difference, all right? The brothers, the coin didn't go all the way down, all right? They heard what they wanted to hear, and they enjoyed what they were benefiting from, just hanging around with Jesus. But the coin never dropped, all right? It never went to the bottom. It never tripped the trigger. And so there wasn't a change in their lives. They're just going with the show. Folks, you can't go with the show, all right? You, you can't be a person who comes up with some way for Jesus to be presented other than who Jesus is, the Son of God, all right? We're never going to be a church of gimmicks, all right, we're never going to be the church that's the trendiest one out there. All right, we're never going to try to do something out of a crisis mode to try to get people in here. All right, we're going to preach the gospel, we're going to be centered on the gospel. That's really what it's all about. All right, and, and, and so what, what the brothers are trying to say is, you know, we're not the cool one, but we're going to be cool. All right, we're going to be cool enough that other people want to be cool like us. And so, Jesus, you're the one. It's up to you. You've got to do this. And Jesus' brothers are trying to find a way for Jesus to reveal himself a miracle. And that's very different than what Jesus is saying he's going to do to reveal himself. And that is go to the cross. So you see the difference here? On, on their terms, Jesus would have performed. And on his terms they would have to present their bodies a living sacrifice and die. On his terms, he would go to the cross in the time and way in which God destined him to go. In their time frame, he would change everything right now and he would get a show going and we would all come back to the way it was and we would just keep going the way it was and we could build it back up again. Do you see what I'm talking about here? Now, there's so much more in this passage, but that's what I want to confront you with today. And what Jesus is saying, and, and he sums it up in the last verse. He says in verse 24, do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. In other words, you all tried to kill me. You all tried to, 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 to destroy me, all right? That's what you all are doing out there, but it won't work. Because you see, I'm going to lay my life down. No one's going to take my life. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to give it. And as I give it, I will receive it back. And all who follow me will receive life with me. Don't judge the circumstances. Don't look at what's going on around you here. But understand and judge rightly. Judge out of what you know. And that is, I am the Son of God. Amen? Amen. Let's be a church that lives and judges, not by appearances, but we judge rightly by the word of God. And we live out of our identity in Christ and who he is, the son of God, not by what's going on 
around us in the earth. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together. Do I have a praise team? It doesn't look like I do. All right. Let me, let me just pray for Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. Did you identify with something I said today? Given the battles that we were going through that we prayed about earlier, would you be willing to say, you know what, I identify, and I want God on his terms, and I want God on his timeline, not mine. And so I want to I just like rededicate myself to that today, and I want to do that now. I'm going to ask you to do something I don't normally do here, okay? Would you, if you identify with that, would you just walk down here? Because I do. I preach this sermon to me. I needed to hear this today. And I'm standing here saying I am one of those people who I am determining today that I will not ask for Jesus on my terms and my timeline. But I recommit myself to sacrifice everything to be on his timeline under his terms, for his purposes. And if you are in agreement with me and you identify with this, just come stand right here for a minute and let me pray for you. Just come on quickly, all right? Folks, we're a family. We're in this together, all right? God is at work in this church to bring us into alignment with him. We are his people called by his name to do his good works come on in just just please just come on in get we're family we can get close we can get close come on in find your way in i just want to pray for you and then we'll all sing together okay before i pray for you let me tell you this i love you Jesus loves you. He gave everything. I can't give what he gives. I'll give you my heart. I'll give you his word the best that I can. But he's here. All right? This isn't magical. This isn't a gimmick. This is the real deal. We're in the altar of the living God. The Holy Spirit is moving. And God is wanting to do things in our lives. And so my prayer over you is not a magical incantation. It is a desire out of my heart to see you set free and to follow Jesus in all the fullness of what his word has promised to you. So let's not be captives. Let's be free people serving faithfully the God who has given his son to pay the price that we could not pay to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And in that, that we follow him completely and we abandon all else in pursuit of him. Amen? Let me pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you today. As the pastor of these good people, I ask you by faith, move in their lives, God. I ask you to open their hearts in the name of Jesus that they may receive everything for life and godliness. God, that by your spirit, you would fill them today and that you would set them on a path, God, a purpose, that they would fulfill destiny, God. 
that they would be able, Lord, to be transformed by the renewing of their minds, that every yoke would be broken off of them, that today they would be set free and released to do all that you have for them to do, God. May you fill them with confidence and faith and hope today, God. May your deliverance be real and sure and precise, God. May you give them the wisdom of God, Lord, far beyond the understanding of man. Would you give them a heart that is open to all the things of your spirit? Would you make deliverance the fruit of their lives, God? Would you bless them with everything, Lord, in humility, God, that they may walk before you day and night, Lord, in obedience and surrender? Would you build up the faith in them, O God, in the name of Jesus, that they may cry loud, God, with the deliverance that you have for them, Lord? And I pray, God, that you would put a hedge of protection around everyone and that they would be able to walk in confidence, Lord, with you and what you are doing. Do this, Father. In Jesus' name we pray and we declare we are on your terms and we are in your timeline and we submit to you in Jesus' name. And the church says, Amen. 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 God bless you. Let's sing together.